Hello, everyone. This is Diamira Rose D'Agostino with Elemental Whispers Podcast, and I am joined by Alexandria Shirapa today for our second installment of Pearls of Enchantment. The other day, I'm laying in bed at night, and I was preparing myself to go to sleep. The lights were already off. I was relaxing. I was doing my dream time and sleep preparation ritual. And in that moment, uh, one of my spirit allies showed up and let me know that we needed to go somewhere. And I asked, can this wait? I'm kind of tired. And they said, this really can't wait. And this had come on the heels of a a ceremony that I had just completed. So I felt like that energy was still there and I felt like it was important. And so I went on said journey. I'm not going to go into the details about what that journey revealed or what it was about, but I shared this with Alex the other day that opened up this conversation. Wait a minute. When that happens, did you actually do the journey while you were in bed or do you actually get up out of bed go into your journey space and proceed in that way and this is an excellent question there are no right or wrong answers we love actually comparing notes when it comes to spirit work and so alex and i just thought we would kick things off by going down multiple rabbit holes around um when we journey what is that dance between protocol and boundaries and having these set of guidelines and criteria that you abide by and then also going and just following the energy in the moment so my answer for this particular moment in time is i actually just went for it i went into the journey and there were a number of reasons i chose to do that number one the energy was there the energy was present and i set up a certain protocol in my bed that i already had some boundaries in place i work with some plants and allies before bed to help me strengthen my dreaming body something i've been working a lot on recently because i was having a string of really uh strong nightmares and so i was trying to strengthen my dream body and get to the root of what was going on in my dream space so i had already had some of these protocols set in place but the biggest reason i didn't is number one is because if i were to have gotten up out of bed and gone all the way to my journey chair I would have probably lost the energy. The moment would have passed. And I chose to follow that energy. The other thing is in a lot of situations, I would be pretty confident and comfortable to just be like, no, sorry, I'm going to bed. But this is an ally that I have a really, really strong relationship with. And all of my close allies, they all know I have boundaries, I have office hours, I have all of these things in place that are built into our relationship. And so because of that, I know that this ally wouldn't have come and asked me and made this request of me unless it was something really important and and really contingent on the energy. I still had a choice to whether I wanted to engage or not. I could have said no, but for me in my sovereign, energy. I chose to roll with the energy and I'm so glad that I did because that has opened up so many doorways that I have still not completely gotten my head wrapped around or even begun to really process it to the full extent. Yeah. I was so curious because when you told me that story, um, I just remember because that's something that I do. (laughs) I don't necessarily always go to a specific spot when I'm journeying. And I, I feel like, not that that can look down upon, but I feel like there's certain shamanic teachers or journeying teachers that really want you to follow a specific protocol. 
and journeying in different spots or not following certain protocols when you go to, to journey can be something that they are more hesitant about people doing. And so I was just really curious. I know that you have so much journeying experience and I have a lot of a journeying experience, but not a lot of journeying experience under a teacher or trainer as much as you have. And so that's why I was curious what you did. And when you told me that's what you did, I was like, oh, that's what I do too. <laughs> um, and so it, it launched into this conversation about, I just really kept on thinking about refinement of your craft and refinement of your art and how, you, when you do anything, you know, if, if whether you're cooking and you eventually leave from a recipe and you start adding things in, or you find a way that works um, better for you, it allows you to add your own art. That's the whole point of a craft is it, it's, it's, something, it's your unique ability that you're coming into and doing with your own art, with your own flair. And really, to me, that feels like you're stepping into your own power and that you're really allowing to come into your own energy system because every person is so different. I just keep thinking of snowflakes <laughs> and how the emergence of our energy wants to come out in a very unique way. That's why we're all here. We all have unique, beautiful gifts that want to show themselves. And even though you and I are also very similar with how we approach things, we also approach things in different ways based off our spirit team or how we're doing that day or what we're working with in our different ancestry or lineage. And so it's like, we all have these different gifts that want to express through us. And I feel like, you know, you might start with a teacher and start with protocols. And then it's like, how do you come into that refinement of your own art. And it opened up this conversation for me to reflect on my own refinement of my own journey experience and my own spirit team. And I noticed that in one of my trainings, I took, I'm all, I always take things backwards. <laughs> It might be my dyslexia. So I took the more advanced training first and then went back to the foundations. And so one of more my first advanced trainings, I noticed that my spirit team was doing this particular thing and I didn't understand why they were doing this. And then later on, when I took the foundation classes, I realized that they were already showing me foundational elements, but in my own flair. And, I, and then I learned, I was like, oh, that's what they're showing me. They're showing me a protocol before I journey. And so sometimes, you know, I think training is so helpful. And one, one thing is I was reflecting on is why training can be so helpful for me is it gives me like language or words for things that are actually happening. And then I can actually piece it together and then just learning like, oh, that's what they were showing me. They were showing me that that's the protocol that my specific energy body and my lineage and my spirit team wants me to work with before I journey. And it might not be the pro protocol I'm being taught. And sure, I'll practice the protocol I'm being taught so that I can, you know, try something on and again, refine it. But it really gives me more like language and it locks in these pieces of being like, oh, that's what that is. And then with those two elements in place, it really allows me to step more into my own art and my own craft and really then go with it. And I think another piece that I was bringing forward, it was just how important it is to have a teacher that holds the space for, yes, here's the protocol, but go and find your own power. Go and stand in your own artistry of this. This is a craft. Like it's not meant to just be here, take this and just replicate this and be like, a copycat of me. Like, what is your own expression of this? And how do you step into that own expression? For me, that's a marker of a high quality teacher, of someone who recognizes people's gifts and encourages them to step into that and not only follow these certain quote unquote proper protocols. Yeah, the mark of a high quality teacher and also a teacher, somebody who's done their inner work. Because often I find that teachers that sometimes want people to adhere so strictly have not done enough inner work because they, for whatever reason, need that, need that control, need people following them, whatever that is to feed them. And so you mentioned the importance of training and you were saying how the training helps because it does fill in the language. It gives us language to things that we're already intuitively doing. And 
to give everyone some context, I said that I do, you know, I did this X when I was laying in bed, but I've been doing this for 20 years. So I have gone through these different iterations and there's this image I'm seeing of when we choose to study with a teacher, and I think everybody should study with a human teacher if spirit work is something that is of interest. There's this dance when we begin studying with a teacher. And I find that people fall in one of these two sides. And one is people become super rebellious and they actually don't want to do anything that the teacher is saying. They want to challenge everything. No, I know better. Oh, I already know that. These are people that come with their cup full. And so because their cup is full, they're not actually going to receive anything. And then there are the other people that become followers and they so strongly want to adhere to the teacher's methods and how they do something that you basically have all these little mini me's that are created. And then that actually stunts the student's growth because they are not actually coming into their own. And then you have this somewhere in between and I'm I'm dancing around and I'm hesitating with this topic because What some people may hear me saying is, oh, at some point you're studying with a teacher and now all of a sudden you can take that lineage and then tweak it like this. And now suddenly it's something else and it's your new made up thing. For example, there's 1800 Reikis. Okay. There's one Reiki. It's Usui Reiki. If you channeled something else, call it something different. It's not Reiki. It's not Reiki. Um, And so I know there's a lot of people that may get really hostile with me for saying that, but I'm like, allow the teacher's seeds to grow within you and then crack open your codes, your own codes. So then your light and what is meant, what is your magic? And I think like what you were talking about, your unique ability can come through and shine. And then again, a true teacher would actually nurture that to come forward. And so it's this dance between not having a bunch of cookie cutter mini me's running around while at the same time, having students who are respectful of whatever lineage they're training in and also being willing to actually deepen and be a disciple of something, devote yourself to one thing for a period of time so that you can truly allow it to cook in your body and allow that to then cook and bring forth your own magic. But you can only do that when you really deepen into something, then that will actually make what is yours come forward. But this surface level stuff of, oh yeah, I'm going to study with this teacher for two months. Oh, I, th- I got it. I think I got it. And then they're ready to go on to the next thing. That actually doesn't allow us enough time to really cook and simmer and be in whatever that lineage is, even if it ends up leading to our own lineage and magic coming online, there's something about being and taking the time with a particular discipline for a period of time. And it's through that embodiment that then it's almost like we've earned our, uh, earned our little Girl Scout badges. We've earned our (laughs) stars. There's something about allowing yourself to inhabit and go to a place of expertise or even mastery within something. And then from that place, now we can allow ourselves to um, to blossom out of it. And the other thing of why having a teacher is important is because so many lineages have been distorted and broken and Because of that, and I'm talking about even ancestral lineages with trauma and pain. And because of that, when we start to 
engage in some sort of spiritual practice and we begin to remember and we start naturally honing our intuitive abilities or maybe we're working with a divination tool or what we call the clairs or the psychic abilities start coming online what happens is they come online but there's oftentimes holes in in what we're doing there's oftentimes little blips of something is not it's not quite the full picture and this is not because there's anything wrong with us per se it's because lineage has been distorted and so now a lot of this is coming through different blips in the energy field different blockages and lenses of distortion that are part of our DNA and energy field until we clear, resolve and heal that. And so what a teacher can do, a good teacher, is actually allow for the pure wisdom stream of lineage to come forward. So then it fills in the gaps and the cracks. So I think that's why it can be very, very powerful to work with a good teacher and somebody that you have a resonance with because that will fill in the holes. Yeah. One of the pieces that really was coming forward when you were speaking is how important it is to commit to foundations. I mean, I just think of athletes, right? <laughs> like when you're having a hard time, what do you do? You, you go back to foundations. You go back to running the lines on the basketball court or like, you know, doing your drills. I feel like there's this an important piece that happens when you commit to the foundational practice, that's how your artistry comes out. Because for me, what I found is committing to a spirit practice, like what you were talking about, is almost like having your office hours with spirit. And so when you commit and you're disciplined in your devotion, what happens is you're showing up. And so then spirit's like, okay, I'll show up too. But if you're just doing all this surface level and not really, you know, training with a teacher and maybe just training with a book, say you're just like, I'm going to read all these books. Like it's not, (laughs) I wish you could see Demir's face right now. (laughs) It's, you're not getting the same transmission that you would get with a teacher who not only can transmit for what's needed for the group as a whole, because there's, there's all this group constellation work that plays out too, when you come together as a group of what's coming forward, but there's also a way that a teacher can hone in and point things out to you that you may not have been able to see, or the message that comes through that you're like, Oh my gosh, I feel like that message was just for me. <laughs> um, so there's like this really important piece of committing to foundations and you're being really disciplined in your devotion to spirit. And I don't mean this needs to be some like intense quote unquote masculine approach to a practice. Like, oh, I'm going to do this amount of yoga in the morning and breath work. Like, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you're committing to showing up somehow. And like for me as a homeschooling mom who also runs her own business, sometimes how I commit to show up is I, one of the ways I'm loving actually how to commit to show up lately is I'm loving weaving a cup of cacao and I go and sit in my garden and I open a wheel and I sit in a medicine wheel. And I do this for like for five to 10 minutes. And that's not something that was taught to me in any of my trainings. Yes, I was you know trained and taught in medicine wheel practice and also in working with the spirit of cacao. But because I've shown up so much with the foundations and really committed to that. Now it's like my own artistry or my own way that wants to come out is blooming. And if I wouldn't have shown up just doing the foundations, that would have never bloomed. That would have never come to be. And I was just really thinking about this because um, Diamir and I've been talking a ton about how important it is to be in celebration of ourselves and to like really reflect on how far we've come. And when we had this conversation, I was like, wow, that's something I've never even really reflected on how much my own spirit practice has grown and bloom even just over the past year. There was one other thing I wanted to say. Um, Oh yeah, just the holes. I remember you're talking about the holes that sometimes that appears. And I really feel like when you're working with a teacher, sometimes these holes become more evident and things that come through with the teacher can help fill in these holes. But I also feel like, like you were saying, like these holes are part of a healing journey and they're part of the mystery that you're walking, right? And 
they come online as you expand so that they can get healed or get worked through or get filled in, which is really cool. But it's also, again, so important why to work on the foundations. So when you have the foundations in place and these holes come online, <laughs> you're not completely thrown off and like, ah, how am I going <laughs> to like, you know, you don't feel you feel more stable with your foundation practice in place when the holes come online. And like one of my teachers always say, as your power gets bigger, your stuff gets bigger. <laughs> like all the stuff, like all the holes can also get bigger. So it's really important to have that foundation in place. And I also think it's just really important as a foundation weaves, again, coming into your own artistry because it allows you to have ownership. And when you have ownership over your own divine path, um, there's more responsibility and buy-in and it allows you to feel more in control, but it also just allows you to feel more sovereign. It allows you to feel more sovereign in your body. You're more in your discernment and you know you. Oh, wow. That's, that's really my, my stuff coming up or that's, that's really triggering or activating me. Okay. Let me sit back and get my popcorn and, and see why, instead of just being caught up in the midst of that swirl that can start to take place. Speaking about commitment, I was rereading a book the other day. It's Deepak Chopra's seven spiritual laws of business of success of something. And they dovetail a lot with the 15 metaphysical laws that I studied with InterQuest. And I was reading this book. I'm at the very beginning. We're talking about the law of pure potentiality. And in there, he talks about commitment and how you commit to connecting or gaining access into the field of pure potentiality. And I was blown away by what he recommended, which was first, he said, just start by having some silent time, you know, like two hours a day. And he said, if two hours sounds like a lot, then just do one hour. <laughs> and then he said, and silent time is where you're just being. It's not where you're reading a book. It's not where you're watching TV. If he had written it in the last five years, he would have said, it's not where you're on your phone doing a crossword puzzle or so scrolling on social media. But of course, this book was written probably 20 years ago. And he said, this is where you're just sitting and being. And then he said, in addition to silent time or instead of is meditation. And he's not talking about journeying or visioning meditation, like some people might be familiar with, but meditation that really has its roots in Eastern tradition, which is about observing the mind and communing in that unformed space of silence. And he said, you know, you should really be meditating for 30 minutes in the morning and 30 minutes in the evening. Now, my partner has a dedicated meditation practice. He studied as a meditation teacher and went through this huge training and teaches meditation. He only meditates for 30 minutes in the day. So it was an interesting thing talking about commitment is it's this dance between, you know, if you want the 10X results, and Alex and I have been talking a lot about 10X. We just read this excellent book. 10x is easier than 2x. And basically, the point is, is 10x is this quantum experience of life, where 2x is that linear movement of, okay, I want this, and now I'm going to move to this, and now I'm going to move to this, it can be in any area of life. But 10x is really taking things to a quantum next level of experience. And so with, so with that, you know, in reading these words by Deepak Chopra, I was thinking on one hand, gosh, this is so much. Is anybody going to do this? Is anybody out there that would read this book in modern time, meaning now 2024, is anybody that's just picking up this book, are they going to sit for an hour of silence a day? Or are they going to sit and meditate for 30 minutes in the morning and 30 minutes in the evening? I was like, no, they're not. <laughs> Nobody is. And, and then I thought to myself, but for each of us, we have maybe that thing that we commit to and we just do. And for some people, that's being a great parent. But I do think that on one hand, I tend to kid glove 
it with people with sometimes with clients with students with oh okay we'll just do the one percent do what you can because i am trying to make things accessible on the other hand if you really want <laughs> results you really actually have to commit and so here's where i here's where i was going with this is that Yes, now I'm sitting in bed and my spirit ally comes to me and says, hey, you want a journey? And I'm like, yes, because I have honed discernment. First of all, I know it's my spirit ally because I know her energy signature, number one. Number two, I can choose in my own body, oh, this is actually going to be more beneficial for me to do this and follow the energy than it would be for me to say no and do it tomorrow. I can feel that. And I am not operating from a place of codependency. I'm not operating from a place of, oh, I'm not good enough. I have to prove myself to my spirit guide. Uh, I'm not operating from a place of I'm not lovable, so I have to do this thing. But this is over years of experience. So at the beginning of my journey, when I first started working with my very first teacher, we started out with 15 minutes a day and we really were encouraged to actually meditate in the same place every day. But the reason she said that meditating in one place was an important thing to do is because it builds up your power and your energy. So it actually becomes like this rocket launcher that caused your energy and power is built up in that space that you sit down in that place and the imprint of meditation and you can start taking off and when we begin we need all the help we can get and so we've started out by 15 minutes a day and then shortly thereafter i was up to 30 minutes a day and then eventually i was up to a minimum of an hour a day and this is before i did journeying or anything like that this was pure chakra meditation it was all about building your attention and your focus I did that for a couple of the years. Then after when I met and I began training and studying with InnerQuest, which I ended up working with them for, my goodness, five, six, seven years, I then I learned journey meditation, very similar to shamanic journeying. And I did this every single day. I almost always did it in the same place that I journeyed at. That was building up that muscle. So now, 20 years later, if I tell you, yeah, the energy opens and I'm there, I have enough muscle memory where I can discern if that's going to be appropriate or not. Because the other thing, and I always do this, when I start working with a new teacher, even if they give me something that I have my own way of doing, I will actually work with what they've given me. Now, if something felt off, I would never do that, of course. But if I already have a way of doing it, or, you know, so many people say, oh, if you've got what works for you, keep doing it. No, not me. I, give me what you're doing. I will work with it for a period of time that may be three months, that may be six months, that may be a year. And then I will see how it feels. A lot of times I may pick back up what I was doing originally because I'm like, yeah, no, this isn't totally me. Or that hole, some piece was filled in, or the image I'm seeing is I was given some little stairway. As I work the practice, it's like one of those pop-up books that pop when you open them up. As I work their practice over and over, it's as if a pop-up book has opened out into this thing and I can now go up a stairway to another higher octave of what I was originally doing. But the way I got there was through putting down what I was doing and allowing this new energy to come in so that then it fed or infused me with something new. And then I'm able to open up and expand into this new expression of my spirit work. Okay. One thing that's really coming forward that I don't feel a lot of people speak to are mothers and spiritual practice. And there's this huge hole I have found of just being in the spiritual realms, practice realms, where mothers are really excluded. I mean, this T Deepak Chopra book, I mean, I love him. I've actually met him at a book signing. He signed one of my books. <laughs> I think it was actually that book. <laughs> um, and what mother, like what mother, whether they're stay-at-home mom, a homeschooling mom, a working mom, has the time to do that? Like if a mother read that book, like talk about feeling like a slap in the face. It There's so many lineages and recommendations and books that are like that. And it just shuts out. It just shuts out moms. And that's 
what I really noticed on my journey after becoming a mom, especially because the very beginning for me was incredibly difficult with my first born. And I was so drawn, I've been drawn to the metaphysical spiritual realms since like eighth grade, seventh grade. <laughs> so then when I became a mom, I was like, wait, where is the space for moms in this? And moms, moms weave the fabric of society. Like they weave, they weave the quilting and fabric of society. And the other thing about this is that moms pass through a certain threshold initiation portal when they become a mom, whether, you know, they give birth, surrogacy, adoption, they're all passing through some type of threshold initiation that you cannot understand unless you're a mom. Being a mom is a spiritual path and they're just left out of the equation. And so I'm on a mission to empower moms in their spirit body. And I have found this is why I became a flower essence practitioner. I have found that the way you can 10X a mom into her spirit body is through flower essences. Because then you have the support of the flowers that are holding a container for you while you work with the flowers throughout the day. So working with flowers, you know, three, five times a day, whether she's spraying herself or taking flower essences I mean, flowers love all people, but flowers love moms. Like moms are blooming things. They're literally growing things and blooming things. And so I just feel like there's this missing component in our society when it comes to the celebration of moms in the spirit community and how they can show up. I mean, if we really want to change society, we support mothers and children because they are the future <laughs> The mothers are the future weavers. And I feel like one of the main ways to fill that gap is through flower essences and working in that way because it's so accessible and it's it's immediately a quantum medicine that jumps you. And if you really commit to that over six months, something beautiful really starts to happen when moms are given this space to step into a spirit practice that's accessible to them. I just wanted to mention the difference between masculine and feminine practices and how a lot of our practices are masculine oriented. Honestly, journeying itself is masculine because it's an active movement. You're not sinking in to a receptive communion, which we can do in nature when we're walking in nature. And now we just move into this beautiful communion with a tree or a flower or a bird. And we're in that communion. It is such a feminine way of interacting, interrelating with the world around us at spirit level. To me, that's feminine and anyone can do that. And like you're talking about with the flower essences, like that creates that container for especially somebody who's depleted like a mom to now have that extra containment, extra nourishment so that she can be able to drop in to that sacred heart communion with the spirit of nature. And I think that that's really a key uh, distinction is to name that a lot of these practices are masculine and that's okay, but people need to do what works for them. I mean, I completely agree. I think that's like good to distinguish that a lot of these lineage are coming from there. And I used to feel so invited and now I just feel like none of them match up for me, but flowers was one of the first places that I really felt welcomed because flowers just meet you where you are and they go straight to the heart. And that's what moms are. They're the heart. They're the heartbeat of society. Like they bring future in and then they beat the heart into society. They beat the drum of the heartbeat. Um, another thing I wanted to bring up and I was thinking about just this whole conversation, it was making me reflect on again, how much I've come in to my own spirit practice. And I've been journeying since 2001 but with a teacher, like an in-person teacher, probably 2012. And then I feel like I've gotten like really strong shamanic teacher in 2022. And I, I feel like, I feel like I'm blooming for the first time into my own shamanic flair and spirit practice. And I was wondering for you, I know you've been on this journey for so long. Was there a point in time when you realized like, oh, this is mine? And what 
happened because I, I didn't really realize that this was mine until we started having this conversation. When we started having this conversation, I was like, wait a second, you know, I've really been unfolding into this beautiful spirit practice that's really become mine over the past six months or so. But I didn't really realize that. And so I'm wondering for you, at what point did you realize, wow, I'm really refining my craft. This is really my art, my artistry of my craft. Was there a turning point or how long did it take you to realize it? For me, there are so many iterations of when I came into my own craft. And there's also a distinction in my mind around when I began to make certain practices or ways of doing and being mine versus when I actually started to work with energy and lineage that was mine. And I'm going to, I'm going to give examples of what I mean. So I told you I'd been working with that first teacher where we began with a foundation with meditation, but she really taught a lot more than that. And I talk about her in my book initiation and I worked with her for a couple of years. And then I began working with InterQuest and something between moving from the path of power to the path of love there was this huge reconfiguration that happened within me that then i think activated some soul medicine to begin to come forward i really really committed recommitted to my path of spirit and began this very very in-depth and comprehensive program of study with interquest that's when they taught me their form of meditation, which was more journeying. And so they gave me this tool that then that tool opened up a pathway that was all my own. And what I mean is that they gave me this very specific template to use when you do a journey so that you could connect with your own wisdom. And it was a very specific meditation journey that you would follow, but it was through that mode that then other pathways started opening up and that became this bridge or this access point for fairy to connect with me and once fairy the energetic of fairy began to make its connection my world changed so while i was simultaneously training around all of the rules and protocols in how to work with the psychic arts in a very responsible way. So they were giving me all the tools and then I was applying those tools to my work with this whole realm, this whole energetic and these inhabitants of this realm. And so it was a very, very unique experience. And I felt like that was all my own, that body of work. But from that, because I was continuing to work with fairy, I remembered my, this very, very real and original spirit technology that was a healing that came straight from my soul remembrance of fairy. And so it was a very unique body of healing work. And so I was trailblazing when I brought this forward. It wasn't like I was grafting certain things that InterQuest taught me and then I was changing, you know, and adding this. No, no, no. This was a completely different body of work. And the only thing was that it was held in the container that InterQuest taught me for safety. But the actual body of work itself was completely arising from my own soul remembrance. There were these moments where something would blossom within me. And I have to give so much credit to InterQuest because they were always highly encouraging because I was still working within their templates, I'll call them, and, and, and in alignment with their principles and their values. They were always, always so supportive of the work that I was bringing forward, of my work and communications with Fairy, of everything. And I am so, so grateful and blessed because of that. I was just thinking about you know, all this refinement and commitment and working with foundations and then how coming into your own magical expression. And I, I think that there's this other important element that's so important when you're on a spiritual journey, which is 
having people around you who know how to sovereignly encourage you. And because there's this reflection piece that happens and you don't want just someone who's reflecting you, your ego, right? But that's, they've done enough work on themselves and then they can sovereignly reflect whether it's a teacher or a group or another friend who's on that journey that can sovereignly reflect their heart because what that really is, they're just reflecting your heart. It's such an important, potent piece to have that sovereign encouragement because when someone's sovereignly encouraging you, they're celebrating what you're doing. And again, that book that we read, (laughs) 10X is easier than 2X, talks so much about operating from this game consciousness, which is you know, not operating from viewing yourself and comparing yourself against the ideal. Yes, letting the ideal or the vision illuminate what you're moving towards, but operating from what have I gained? How far have I grown? And when you operate from that mindset, it's so beautiful because you really get to see how much you've grown. And this can maybe happen in a practitioner setting, but it's great when it's someone that knows you really well and they can travel with you over time and can reflect to you in an honest, sovereign way. I just realized, oh my gosh, whether this is a technique I end up teaching or it's just for me and it's just my medicine of how I show up with spirit, I'm realizing like, wow, this is really special and super beautiful of how this has bloomed. I'm just thinking of that beautiful, sovereign encouragement piece and how vital that really seems to this refinement process of your art and craft. Like you don't get there alone, whether it's sovereign encouragement from your team, from other people, from teachers. So the medicine wheel was the next 10X quantum jump for me in terms of my spirit work. My teacher, Shasta, who trained me in the medicine wheel and in this beautiful ceremonial template and protocol for, I think, two years. And somewhere along the way, after that period, I'm not sure where it happened, something morphed and there was this this illuminated bubble fractal that kind of billowed out of whatever the medicine wheel was. And from that grew this sacred council on the inner planes. And Up until that point, I think I would maybe journey to a particular place where then I would meet certain guides, allies, and beings. But what started to happen is that I no longer had to journey. I don't have to journey to meet them. Now I can open a wheel and create a certain energetic and my counsel billows out. And so we sit in council and commune with a number of spirit allies. And it's not like they're giving me just guidance. We're working in council in this egalitarian, sovereign pattern of relationship with one another. And we gel so well that the whole of us, even just meeting, and we don't have to say one word with each other, we can meet and our energetic creates this mandala vortex that becomes this healing force for me, for them. So yeah, that was another 10X moment in my spirit pathway. I just keep on thinking about how powerful it is to hear people's stories. Because just hearing you speak, I'm now realizing that was a 10X moment for me is when I learned and studied and practiced the medicine wheel practices that I'm like, oh my gosh, that's what really 10X my spirit practice was being trained in medicine wheel practices and learning how to open a wheel and be with my own team. That's completely changed everything for me. That's what has been the difference is studying with Sharon last year in 2022 with Sacred Space Weaver that training and then continuing my practice has completely shifted everything for me and everything you're explaining, like how, how it shows up for you is how it shows up for me where you can be someplace and show up with your counsel. It feels like rejoining 
and reuniting with a family that you've always had that you never knew was lost. It feels like a returning home on this whole other plane and and level. And I just, I want to give a plug and a shout out actually to you and your book, because I feel like you don't talk about your book enough and your book initiation. Seriously, that book activated such a heart jewel part of my body because it activated a remembrance. And again, there's these potent parts of people's journeys, setting foundations, discipline, devotion, commitment, you know, sovereign encouragement. And it's also storytelling, hearing people's stories. There's when we hear people's stories, it is such beautiful medicine that can really activate parts of us. And hearing your story and that book I read, and you know this, I read this in one setting <laughs> till 3 a.m. in the morning, crying and laughing my way through that book. It was like my own initiation reading that book. And I think it's just such a special, epic gift that you've given. And you also weave like the most beautiful words. So I'm just saying that, you know, it's the new year. <laughs> If people are looking for a book list, I would highly recommend Demir's book initiation because there's something about like, if, if you're like, oh, I don't have time for a spirit practice or sometimes just listening to people's stories can be its own activation that can lead you to something else. And reading a person's real life story, you, that activates key codes for you and it acts like its own, um, reflection of sovereign encouragement. When you read someone's memoir where you feel like, oh my gosh, this is activating a piece of me. And we can find beautiful pieces in a book like that. Say you don't have the, you know, not everyone has the access to study with a teacher. And so if you're not in that space, reading a magical memoir can bring you into that transmission where you can at least receive heart jewels or heart light. And it can actually activate healing within your system, which then can lead you to a teacher or lead you to a certain practitioner or lead you to a certain part of your journey. There's these books that can bring this magic where it can hold you in a certain way. And so I think that, you know, again, just trying to make things accessible to people when they're coming to refining or stepping into and just wanting to be and like their heart flooded with magic. Sometimes hearing someone's magical story through a book can really do that. So I want to plug your book because I feel like you don't talk about your book enough. And I seriously have thought about just buying a stack of your books and giving them away to everyone for Christmas. I love that book. I, I read it in one setting because I could not put it down. Thank you so much for mentioning initiation. That was my, my hope with that book. It was my initiation into fairy, but I was also hoping that it would activate the remembrance of each person that read it. So there are little sprinkles of little portals and codes in that book. It has magical key codes. <laughs> Thank you so much. I feel like we have filled the well full of tons of pearls of enchantment in this episode. The well Thank is you full. Thank you if you're still here and listening to this Pearl of Enchantment full well. Like the well is full. But there's so many other branches and dendrites of conversation that I could go down. Like, why not yeah. roll around in the magic? Yeah, totally. <laughs> All right, everyone. If you are really enjoying these conversations, if these are inspiring you, there's a few ways that you can support us and help us get the word out about Pearls of Enchantment about Elemental Whispers podcast. And that is number one, subscribing to this podcast. Wherever you listen, please go ahead and hit subscribe. It helps so much. And then also leaving a review is super helpful, giving us some stars. And then if you can say a few words, even better. And lastly, although this may be actually at the top, is if it really inspires you and there's someone you think that would love this conversation, please share it with them. Send them the email you get from me or the email you get from Alex, or you can also just hit the share button wherever you listen and uh, send it to them that way. Okay, so did I forget anything, Alex? Can you think of any other ways they can support us? No, I, I love word of mouth. I think word of mouth is one of the most powerful and beautiful ways. And I also think that um, 
it's underutilized. Like we forget that we're not robots and algorithms, that word of mouth and sharing something that you're inspired by is just the most fun way to share, I feel like. Thank you so much for gathering with me in this space. I am clearly on a mission to re-enchant the world through these mythic story weavings and sharing of these expansive and thought-provoking topics. So let me ask you, have you ever felt the swirling of remembrance in your heart? As if the mystery of life is whispering to you? If so, you might relish my book, Initiation, My Fairy Soul Awakening. It's an epic memoir that will take you on a mystical journey of remembrance. From the mountains and jungles of Peru, to the sacred hills and wells of Avalon, to a mysterious island in northernmost Scotland. This book is an odyssey encoded with living myth, magic, and mystery. It's a tale of healing, synthesis, and becoming. But it's not just my story. It's a story that resonates with the human condition, our struggles, our triumphs, and for those of us who feel an inexplicable but very palpable connection to fairy. I invite you to immerse yourself in this transformative adventure to explore the depths of your own soul as you journey alongside me. So, my dear listeners, I encourage you to visit my website at diamirarose.com to find out more about the book or hop over to wherever you purchase your books and get your copy today. Thank you so much for being a part of the Elemental Whispers community. Stay tuned for more enchanting stories and encoded transmissions. Until next time, may your path be filled with blessings and the wisdom of this world.